We're back, episode 72 of the Hibs Ramble. Uh, we had the episode the other week and I was described as the intelligent one and Liam was described as the dumb one. Tonight we have neither of uh, neither Craig or the dumb one and Liam. We have the sexy one and Mark Duncan. How are you doing? <laughs> oh man, I feel blessed with these introductions. They're, they're far from true, but I'll, I'll certainly take it. Thank you very much. Um, I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Getting ready for the old crimbo and all that. How's things with you? Yeah, all thing, all good like this end. Um, looking forward to it. Um, not maybe looking forward to the the festive football matches, considering what we're up against and what took part at the weekend. But away from football, definitely. Um, looking forward to it. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> what we'll do is we'll just jump straight into it, Mark. To be fair, I don't want to spend too much time on the St Johnston game. A few days have passed now as well, but it'd be rude not to touch upon it before we go into the Ross County preview. Um, we obviously went into the Ross County game in relatively good, I don't necessarily want to say form, because performances maybe weren't the greatest, but we were able to dig out results. Um, four wins from five, and it's now ultimately four wins from six. Um, we went to St Johnston, where they had only only beat us one in the last eight as well, and we made a few changes. Um, obviously, Jago was kind of enforced for, for Neil, who was suspended, and Miller and for Whitaker. Um, Standard changes, and I'm sure you probably would have expected them yourself. What kind of level of performance were you maybe expecting going to St Johnston with those forced changes and having Joe Neal missing? I have to say I was a, a little bit apprehensive about going to St Johnston. First of all, because it's always a difficult place to go. Second, you know, they're still experiencing that new manager bounce. I think Craig Levine's done well um, since he's went there. He's sort of got them from rock bottom in the starting to climb up a little bit. And the other thing I knew, because again, Craig Levine, you just know that he's going to get them right up for this game. For for the, for him, this is going to be like a sort of mini derby. And you just know that he's going to get the players right up for it, right from the start, pressing. He'll have done his homework big time, because for him, this will mean a lot. You know, this isn't just a standard St. Johnson manager. This is somebody that really, really desperately wants to beat us. And then... Like you sort of touched on as well, we were grinding out results, but we weren't particularly playing well. And that mixed with the sort of playing from the back, slow, you know, sort of passing football. Um, I just knew that he was going to press us high at the park and really get in our faces. And I just, not that I kind of expected to get beat, but I just knew we would have a lot of difficulties going there. You, you just touched upon trying to play out and getting pressed high, which... To be fair, one a one nil loss flatters us. To be fair, because it could have been four, five, or six with the amount of chances that um, St Johnston created and the amount of saves that David Marshall had to make. Um, but a humble pie on my part, considering the amount of you know stick I've given Davy, which I felt has been warranted. Um, what did you make of the way that we were trying to play out for the back? I'm not sure if you noticed it, but I've noticed when Jago's in there as well. Um, it's a bit different when Newell's in there. I feel like he kind of dictates what the other midfielder is doing and kind of keeps them on a leash, so to speak, and 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 is talking to them throughout the whole game. And then you take someone as good as Joe Newell out and you've got 
albeit a balance of Levitt and Newell, uh, not Levitt and Newell, sorry, Levitt and Jago. I, I was expecting to see uh, Levitt do a little bit more in the forward areas and allow Jago to be that more deeper one, but it looked as though they were both sitting on top of the centre-halves and at times Levitt was you know, taking the goal kicks rather than the centre half. So what, what was your what was your take on that and the overall gap that they were leaving in the middle of the park? Yeah, I think the the null situation. Not that I'm saying, you know, if he had been playing, you know, the result would have been different or the performance. But a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. He dictates what goes on. You know, when we play it from the back, we're starting to do that thing where the, you know, the goalkeeper will t- or the centre half will take it. The goalkeeper will, will then sort of, you know put it out to his full-backs and what you'll see often happening is Joe Newell will drop right in there into that sort of gap he'll collect the ball he'll either play out a pass or he'll do a turn and then he'll play us up a little bit without that you know like you said without that sort of influence and in, in going in and dictating that I just felt we found it really difficult I, I don't think Levitt would have been able to do that I think Levitt's quite neat and tidy but I wouldn't expect him to almost be that box-to-box type for him to drop deep, pick up the ball, turn and then go up the park. You almost expect him to play those little neat passes, those little touches in, in dangerous areas. So that was a big loss. I've been quite vocal about, you know, especially this sort of by kick that we're doing and, and sort of passing it to the goalie and then the fullback splitting, uh, the centre-half splitting as well. It's just like, I'm just not a huge fan of it. I think you've got to really be you know, have really, really good players to play this slow passing football because what you'll see is a really good team, they'll come and press them and then they'll leave gaps and, you know, somebody like a Man City or Arsenal, they'll just pass away around them. But when you're not confident on the ball, when you get pressed, you're just going to lose it, you're going to make a mistake, you're going to give it away and ultimately you're going to concede goals and it's exactly what happened. I agree with you, they absolutely deserved their win. You know, they I think they got a goal chopped off or offside, which was dubious, but I know that he was kind of in Marshall's face a little bit, but, you know, they they seemed to have all the chances, they had the goal disallowed, and then ultimately what cost us was that mistake from playing out from the back. Yeah, I think what frustrated me about the whole, like, that actual goal that, that we lost is we've not, to my recollection, we've not saw a Jago, a Newell, or a Levitt taking the goal kick and starting the playing out from the back, but when you do that, you're already losing a midfielder and you're creating an even bigger space and there's an even bigger overload for St Johnston in that in that middle of the park. We only play with two in the middle of the park. St Johnston play with three in the middle of the park and we're going to have the same problem um, in the upcoming games as well because the vast majority of the teams in this league play with three, if not all of them, to, to my knowledge, play with three in the middle of the park. So if you then have your centre midfielder taking that goal kick, which I don't understand why... Marshall can't then play it to the edge of the box to Fisher, play it at that point to the edge of the box to, to Rocky, which is predominantly what we've been doing. Levitt takes it, and I don't know why he tries to find Josh Campbell, who I'm going to get your thoughts on that in a minute because he ended up playing it right back, and I feel like that it would be rude not to touch upon that. Why not just play it to Fish, and then Levitt can then just come back into the middle of the park and then drag that St Johnston player away? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And it's, do you know what? A couple of things about that. First of all, you know, how many goal kicks are there in a game? Let, let's just say you go through a game and you get 10 goal kicks, right? And then out of all those goal kicks, you're doing that little passage of play where, you know, the the, the, the centre-half takes it to the goalie, the goalie takes it, pulls out his, his full-backs or his midfielder, whatever he does. 
out of those 10 possessions, there's always, again, at this standard, there's always going to be at least one mistake. And if you make a mistake from a goal kick, you're essentially leaving them to be one-on-one or in a very, very threatening position. So it just makes me really... And the other thing is, what benefit have we actually seen out of playing these goal kicks? I get the idea is for us to retain possession for as long as possible. We start off by, you know, keeping the ball and then playing from the back in that sort of slow possession. But why can't the goalkeeper just take it and play out to the fullback straight away? Or the goalie take it, play it to his centre-half? Or why does, do they have to take it in the six-yard box? It just If I'm Craig Levine, if I'm Derek Adams or Stephen Naismith, I'm showing clips of that and I'm saying, get right into their faces because if they do that 10 times in a game, they're going to make one mistake and we're going to score from it. And I would be pressing like... Yeah. And that's that's game. exactly that's the that's the exact reason as to why we're doing it for obviously we're we're not hoping to make the mistake or we're not wanting to make a mistake. Obviously obviously the other team are going to be hoping that we are, but that's the exact reason why we're doing it. Do you know what I mean? To try and suck them in. Um we seen it when we played Aston Villa at home. They had their centre halves on the byline behind the goalkeeper and Martinez was playing it to them and then playing it out for there. Obviously it's a different level of opposition and a much better quality player. Um, and I think it just comes with Monty having these players at the moment who are maybe not yet quite suited to what he's trying to do. And then again, also trying to adjust his style to the types of opposition that he's coming up against. You know, like you're away to Livy, you're away to Killy, you're away to St. Johnston, those types of those types of tough places to go. So, yeah, no, I completely get your point. For me, we've seen a lot of success mm-hmm. from it, but then the vast majority of the mistakes or the goals that we're conceding are coming from our own mistakes rather than a, like a, a piece of brilliance. So I guess and time the thing will tell. Is, it's like I completely agree and understand in terms of why you know we are doing it and why are we playing that sort of possession-based football and it is to sort of drag them in, make them press and then find gaps in behind. Again, you know, first of all, we don't have the quality player to do that. Second of all, are we going to ever get the quality of player to be able to do that? Because for me, and again, you know, I'm not being negative. I'm not playing down Hibs or Scottish football or anything like that. For me, playing that type of football, that sort of possession-based, keeping the ball, you know, letting them press, sucking them in and then finding gaps in behind. That, for me, you've got to be like an international sort of elite level to be able to play that type of football. Otherwise, you'll just shoot yourself in the foot. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Monty needs to change his tactics and he needs to do this and he needs to do that. I will absolutely have faith. And if he can, if he tells us that it'll work and he can get the players to do it, then brilliant. That's great. I just am a little bit sceptical that we will ever be able to get the quality of player that can successfully play that type of football. It's funny you say that potentially getting the right level of quality player because, as obviously has been reported in recent days, the, the whole Bill Foley investment, if it goes ahead, he's looking to plan an initial investment of six million and he's wanting that all to go into the playing squad, which would obviously completely rev- revolutionise our squad and the types of player that we could potentially um, bring to the club. Now, I was thinking about this today. I wonder if the reason why Bill Foley has tried to start planning this, I'm quite keen to get your thoughts on it as well, 
is because of the potential rebranding to the Champions League, the talk of the Super League coming out and stuff like that. Again, now that that looks like that could potentially be a goer, he's maybe looked at other ways as a businessman he can make money from a club that would potentially not be in that level of European competition, but would still be able to guarantee European competition. So if he comes in, invests in a club like Hibs, and then tries to consistently compete at the top end of our league and get in third in European spot every time. We're obviously not at the calibre of Champions League or Super League or anything, but we'd still be in European competition. So I wonder if that's maybe another reason behind this, for uh, the, the reason for the investment. Yeah, potentially. I, honestly, I don't know a whole lot. I've not really been following that. It's one of those where, I, you know, my m- mindset is... When it happens, then I'll pay attention. Because for me, it all just seems a little bit too good to be true right now. And there's, I mean, how many times as a Hibs fan over the years have you heard about all these grand investments that are coming in? We're linked with the City Group or this. It's just like, when it happens, if it does happen, then great, I'll I'll pay attention. But for now, I'm just <laughs> going to not get doing it. That could be the reason. If it's true, that could be the reason. I think, you know, what's been well documented is he obviously has this vision in his head of like almost a chain you know he's got his top club which I think is Bournemouth and he's got a couple of clubs in between and he wants to almost do that ladder you know have a player on loan he works up to the next best club then the next best and then the ultimate goal is to then get them to Bournemouth and it's not a bad idea you know fair enough fair play Um, if we benefit from it then great if it's only Bournemouth going to benefit from it then I'm not for it but Look, if he's investing, if he wants to invest that much in the playing squad, then he's obviously confident that he can recoup that money in some way, whether that's playing in the Europa League, the Conference League, or just, you know, competing in, you know, for high spots in the Scottish Cup or whatever, then I don't know. It's about player investment and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, as a club, that's one thing that we've done, you know, fairly well is, you know, we seem to invest in players and then we seem to make a profit often. You know, I can't remember many times when we've paid out for a player and then we've ended up losing money. It always seems to be we pay small fees and sell them for fairly significant fees. So that might be another thing that he's seen and he, he feels that is how he could make his money. Yeah. Just to take us back to the game as well, we've seen in recent weeks... Um, Maybe probably as far back as since the Rangers game, there's been a little tweak in Monty's philosophy and the way that he's implemented his tactics, and we seem to be creating less and less week on week. We had a, and I, I don't necessarily look into this, but I saw it when I was looking at the highlights. Um, we had an XG of 0.09, and we had no shots on wow. target at all. Um, I can't remember ever seeing an XG as low as that in any Scottish game, to my, to my knowledge. I'm obviously going to be wrong, but I can't, to my knowledge, remember seeing something as as um, as low as that. The question I've got for you is: We had, um, we didn't take Dylan Levitt off until this the seventy third, seventy fifth minute for for Christian Doidge. But Josh Campbell comes on for Lewis Miller, goes at right back, which I think is a, a massive red flag. I don't know if it was if he got put there instead of Whitaker because Whitaker's kind of been targeted a little bit and up against the Levine side maybe that's why he went for someone else or maybe because he wanted to try and get us up the park a little bit better I don't know Josh Campbell just isn't isn't a right back and I'm, I have absolutely no doubt that you agree there but why do you think he's not kind of looking at the likes of like um, Rudy Milotnikov or putting Josh Campbell in a further attacking area maybe bringing Alan Del Fierro on 
and Gomez back three or putting him at right back. That I feel like there was other options at the weekend rather than leaving it as late as that to take off one of your centre midfielders and again leaving us a bit short. Yeah, I don't know if it's maybe a trust thing. You know, he maybe trusts Josh to go in there in a difficult situation, a difficult ground. He maybe just trusts him to, to go into that position and make a difference. Whereas he's maybe not got that same trust for somebody like Delphier, who's, you know, made a, a few mistakes and he's, you know, when he has played. Or Rudy Milotnikov, who's obviously not got a lot of game time under his belt. I don't know the, the answer. Um, but the, the the difficult thing is that, you know, I, I think ultimately that is why he's done it, is to get us further up the park. Because, you know, we've talked about a lot already, but this sort of playing out from the back, if you've got somebody who's comfortable with the ball at their feet playing it right back, then he's maybe hoping that he can get the ball at his feet, drive us forward, and then bring the sort of attacking players and midfield players into it. The thing that, that worries me is, you know, we went 90 minutes and we didn't really, or as far as I know, you might have seen the whole game and you might tell me something different, but we didn't really tweak our tactics. For me, it, it's all well and good playing it from the back, playing that slow sort of possession-based football, but if you're getting beat 1-0 and it's not working, you've got an XG 0.09 or whatever it was, I'm not saying they should just hoof it up the park and start playing Route 1. But I think, you know, we should start being a little bit more direct, whether that's getting Marshall to ping it right into midfield, whether it's, you know, just playing long balls up, trying to get the the wide men involved. I don't know what the answer is, but I just hope that Monty does have a plan B. I respect the hell out of managers that will never change their game plan, but the best managers in the world always have a plan B. They always are able to adjust if they get a man sent off, if they're getting beat, if it's not working for them. So... I just hope that he's not going to just keep playing and just hoping that putting Josh Campbell at right back or dropping Joe Neal deeper or doing something, a tiny little tweak like that is going to really make a difference. Yeah, I think it, what what concerns me as well is like we're bringing players like Christian Doidge on and no, this isn't a criticism of, of Doidge because he's been really, really good for at least the beginning part of this season. It seems like since Monty's came in, Monty's just not really been able to get a tune out of him in comparison to what we did beforehand when he kind of had a little bit more of a point to prove. Um, I don't know if that coincides with us being maybe shorter in bodies and the amount of games in a short period of time. Um, so hopefully, you know, once we get into January, we can maybe recruit a couple of players that are of a better quality that can impact the game or start. So we'll yeah, see. And, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think I do feel sorry for Dodge because I do think we've got there is a place for him and again, if if we revert back to, you know, if we do end up changing our tactics when things aren't going right and we do start playing a little bit more direct, I think that's where Dodge really comes into a game. He, he works hard, he can hold the ball up, you know, he's good in the air, things like that. So if we do start trying, and again, I'm not saying you need to go to route one and start hoofing it forward, but when you do change things and become a little bit more direct, which every team does in the dying embers when you're getting beat, then he is useful. I just think when we're playing normal, you know, when we're, when we're at the start of a game, it's difficult for him because it just doesn't suit his style of play. You know, when the ball's constantly coming to feet, you know, if if we were if the plan works and this sort of possession play works, the goals will really come from players like Venti who are, are going to just one-touch finish. You know, they, they get the ball at their feet and they shoot rather than somebody like Dodge who's just going to make a nuisance and, and just really be scrappy about it. So it's a difficult one. I like him, but is there a place? 
I don't know. It depends on it depends on what Monty's going to do in terms of Plan B. Yeah, time will tell. We'll, we'll jump into listener questions just now because a lot of them are based around around the weekend. But I just want to make a point. Obviously, it wasn't a good weekend for Hibs, um, but for once, it was. You could probably argue that it was a good weekend for VAR and the officials in regards to the to our game at the weekend. Obviously, you touched on the offside goal, rightly so. He's obviously interpreted with Marshall, so got the decision right there as well. I know it was the right decision on field, but it was obviously checked as well. So, which was good. We then had the Venti sending off, which, by the way, doesn't even, for me, doesn't even touch the St Johnston defender. That gets rescinded, and I think, uh, not rescinded, sorry, it gets downgraded to a yellow, and I even think a yellow is harsh on that mm-hmm. one as well. Um, and then, unfortunately for us, the penalty shout in the, in the, dying seconds of the game wasn't given and again rightly so um, I don't think it was a penalty, it would have probably been a penalty last season when what the rules were then but not um, definitely not this season Is I know you've not been on in a couple of weeks Mark and I feel like I don't want to turn this into a VAR rant at all in any way because I feel like it was a very good weekend but what was your take on, on those three kind of incidents, I know you've already touched on the goal Yeah admittedly I've not seen the the red card incident and I've not seen the penalty shout so I won't be able to comment on them. Yeah it's always funny those ones you know interfering with play because sometimes it's quite difficult to tell. I think that one was fair you know I I, I would say that that one was offside you know yeah fair enough they made the right decision. I think personally and again this is just a total personal opinion VAR could be getting decisions right every single week and I still probably wouldn't be a fan of it because I you know my one big gripe about it is it, it takes away that that feeling of just celebration when you score. At so multiple times now, you know, for example the Martin Boyle one in the semi final or the Eliuan goal first goal in the Derby, you know, the two two game, I didn't celebrate those goals at all because I thought they were both offside. So I didn't celebrate, even though Ellie Yuan's one wasn't offside. They checked it, but it wasn't given. I missed out that celebration because I thought in my head, oh, that's going to get chopped off or offside, so I'm not going to celebrate. And the same with Martin Boyle's one in the semi-final, which did end up getting chopped off or offside. So even if decisions were to be made, I just still feel like it takes something away. It just yeah. makes you question everything. And the more inconsistent it becomes with decisions, the more it makes you think, oh, Actually, this is going to get changed. Can I celebrate? You know, you take some of the best moments in football history. You know, the Scottish Cup final when we scored 3-2 against Rangers. Can you imagine, right? VAR was, and, and you know, not that it would have been chopped off. There was nothing wrong with it. But can you imagine that situation where, you know, you in the back of your head are thinking, can I actually celebrate this or is it going to get chopped off? All of that celebration, all of that emotion, and then it goes to VAR and gets chopped off. Yeah. It's just like, I just, I can't handle that. To be fair. Well, obviously, we were up against Rangers in that final, and if there was VAR, our second goal probably would have got chopped off for Stokes slightly touching Tav at the front post. So, yeah, no, you are right. You do make a very, very valid point. I think that's where kind of people have a lot of gripes. I just think football needs to be left as it is. You know, I get, you know, I think goaling technology, absolutely. Goaling technology, keep that. But VAR, I just think sin bin as well. That's another thing that's meant to be bringing in. Just leave football as it is. It's it was fine. You know, if there's a dodgy, that's all part of it. When you go back to the pub after the game and you moan about the referee and a decision that was wrong, that's part of the game and that's that's how it should be in my opinion. 
We'll jump into the, the listener questions now. Now it's time to answer the hip Ramble listener questions. Um, and you know exactly what I'm going to ask, so I, I don't necessarily need to ask it, but we'll kick off with that one, and then we'll jump into our Ross County preview, um, since a lot of our questions are based around the St Johnston game first. So, Mark, what are you having for dinner? I am having some homemade fisherman's pie. Oh. Homemade fisherman pie. I, lo- I love a good, love a good fisherman's pie. So that's what I'm having tonight. <laughs> Emily's in the kitchen making it right now. Um, I had uh, butternut squash and bacon mac and cheese, and it was delish. Butternut squash and bacon mac. And- I love mac and cheese as well. I've never heard of butternut squash and bacon. Uh, delightful. Um, Colin McLellan, what a pile of crap. That was up and perfect. I paid good money to watch it. Miss Joe Neal, big time. Are any of you guys up in the goals next Saturday? I believe you are making the trip, Mark. Is that correct? Yes. I am. I am. Good luck. Incredibly, incredibly, considering, you know, I'm pretty consistent in terms of the Hibs games that I go to sort of week in, week out, but I have not been to a Hibs game since the 31st of October, which was the reverse fixture of Ross County Easter Road, which we drew 2 2. That was the last, which is terrible, really, really yeah, terrible. But um, yeah, I'm making a triumphant return. And then from Saturday onwards, my consistency will be back. I'll be there week in, week out again. Good man. Um, Keith Robertson hit us with a bit more of a rant, um, saying I can accept Hibs losing to bogey, a bogey St Johnston team who play better football, but not one managed by Craig Levine. Uh, and I kind of like this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely yes, how much of a specky, wanky, non-achieving prick is he? Mm. Is he on the scale or is he off the scale? Oh, it has to be. Well, I mean, he literally, defying all of those boxes, you know, he's. he has to be, if he's not a 10, he has to be an 11. Um, Gav Dick, who... For those listening to us now, you will have um, a special Gav Dick segment coming in the near future. Um, so keep your ears and eyes peeled for that one. Um, he said, terrible today, proves that we really need Newell. Would you drop Yuan versus Ross County? Because he showed nothing today and wasn't even in the game. I don't think he was the only one that wasn't in the game because it was just one of those games where we just couldn't implement our plan. But would you... Drop him? Probably not, because how do you expect Dele Yuan to get in the game when the ball doesn't go past the halfway line? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How, how yeah. can you expect when... It was the same when Sean Maloney was in charge and he was just passing it about the back line and moaning about players like Kevin is, but what, what do you expect, you know, somebody up top to do when the ball's not coming to them? And, no. you know, I, I feel sorry for guys like Venti and, and all that because if you're not getting anything past midfield, then... You, he can't do anything, so I would drop him, I would keep him in. Jack Nicholson, crazy to think that people still don't rate Newell. Look at the difference in intensity and fight today when Newell is not not playing. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Reoccurring theme there, I guess, what we've said and obviously what everyone has said in the comments. So, uh, uh, Pat Carnberry has said, Hibs are poor, no hiding from that fact. Again, yeah, definitely was a fact. Last question before we move on to the Ross County preview, uh, Mark. And it's you can make this Hibs related if you want because you weren't on when we got asked the Hibs related version of this, or you can give me a non Hibs related one. 
Um, seeing as we're near Christmas, Harvey Scott is asking, what is the best gift you have received and what do you want this year? I think um, I was on that one with the Hibs related one. Were you? Yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. it's been so long since uh, since you've been on consistently, so apologies. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, while you're having a think, then I'll just I'll probably just stick with my eighty nine ninety one um, Hibs away shirt that magically appeared in the post that no one has still owned up to. Um, and what I want for this this Christmas is I I don't really know what I want. This year, unfortunately, I want a successful twenty twenty four. That's what I want. Yeah, um, probably the the one that's sticking in my head is when I was a kid. Remember a PSP, the little tiny portable things. Um, my, I wanted one of them for ages, and my mum was like, "No, nah, I can't afford it. You're not going to get it." Blah blah blah. So I'd opened all my presents, and then she came out with one last present, and it was a PSP, and I was just over the moon. And then she brought out all the wee games and like DVDs for it and all that, and I was just absolutely buzzing. That's the one that I can think of, but um, this year, me and Emily aren't doing presents because we've got Route 66 at the start of uh, next year, so we're just putting an extra few quid into the savings account, so I will literally be um, not opening very much, put it that way, on Christmas, and not buying anything either, which is lovely. Nah, it'll, be, it'll be worth it. It will be worth it, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> right, Ross County. I think it would be rude for us not to touch on Derek Adams' comments, so we will touch on that in a second, but we've just spoke about the importance of Joe Newell. Very, very likely that he will come straight back into it. Um, Lewis Miller's got a bit of a bug, so we don't necessarily know how that's going to look. Um, fourth away game on the bounce, Mark. How big a part do you think that will play in Monty's team selection, and how much of a part do you think that will also play and the fact that we're having to travel all the way up to Ross County, so it's not just a local away game, it's a bit further away as well. If I don't think it should, whether it does or not is another question, but I don't think it should impact us. You know, it's not as if we're playing away in Europe or something like that, you know, it's a few hours on the coach. So They're staying the night as well. Yeah, exactly. So, no, it, yeah, it, it certainly shouldn't anyway. That That's what I would say, it, it shouldn't affect it. Whether it does is a different story. Yeah, um, I'm assuming you would bring Joe Neal back into into contention, considering at the weekend's performance. If Lewis Miller is anywhere near fit, would you be throwing him back in if he's still carrying a wee bit of illness, or would you go with with Rory? I would say definitely with Joe Neal. If he's fit, then get him in there 100. percent I would say probably not, because you know it's like when you've got a bug, it it does impact your fitness. You know, it's all when you're carrying a wee bit of a knock, you can sometimes run through it, but when you've got a bug, it just completely impacts how you can run and all that. So if he's still a bit <laughs> under the weather, I would just leave him probably and and play young Rory. But um, yeah, I, I would go with Joe Neal 100 percent though. Get him in if possible. Yeah. Um, they're they're coming into this off the back of two defeats. They obviously conceded a very very late goal at the weekend, um, and yeah, two defeats in a row for them. But since Derek McInnes, uh, Derek McInnes, Derek Adams, mm. sorry, both a couple of twats if, if you ask me. However, <laughs> um, two wins, two draw, uh, two defeats, and a draw in there. Um, they'll obviously be. It seems like there's a bit of a siege mentality up there under under Derek Adams with his comments that came that he made at the end of the the game at the weekend. There, what did you make of them, Mark? And how would you 
as a player react to that? Do you think he's went into the dressing room and said, listen, lads, this is what I've said, try to get everyone against us, it's, us, it's an us be them kind of thing? Or do you think he's came out with them hoping to get a reaction and he's not really said anything different to the players? Honestly, I, I don't even know if it's as deep as that. I think he's uh, he was emotional. How many times as a fan, you know, have you maybe said stuff after a really poor performance or a, especially, you know, a 97th minute, you know, goal to, to lose the game? You know, you're going to be highly emotional. You're going to be highly strong. And it just feels like, you you know, as soon as the game finishes, they heard the manager straight into these pre- these um, interviews, probably intentionally to get comments like this out of them to make headlines. He's probably went in there he's highly emotional and he said things like you and I have said things as fans when there's been something that's happened. We'll come out and we'll say how much we hate a player. We want the manager sacked. We want this to happen. Scottish football rubbish. I'm not going back. I'm not paying my money. And then by the next again day, you're forgotten about it and you're ready to go and you know, see Hibs again. I just think it's one of those situations. You know, he's been at Ross County before. He's obviously really passionate about the club. The club means a lot to him. So it will just be a very highly emotional response. There is truth to it, let's be honest. Scottish football standard, especially when you're watching Dundee v Ross County, the standard is pretty poor. So that's probably just the one thing that he's stuck to. He's probably watched a really, really shite game and went in and that's that's what he's went in in the press conference. I, I honestly don't think it's as deep as I'm going to come and do this to create a reaction or, or anything like that. I just think he's been emotional and he said it in the spur of the moment. Probably the next game day, he might even regret what he said. I don't know, but... It's uh, funny you say that about potentially regretting it. Do you think... He's obviously got the full backing of the board, considering he's been brought back again. Do you think there was a, a lively conversation between him and the directors or the board or the owner or anything like that at Ross County? Maybe, but I don't think it would have been a conversation that was as in, you know a bit of a telling off, because ultimately, he's right in what he's saying. The standard of Scottish football is pish, but everyone knows that. You know, a manager could come, another manager could come out tomorrow and say, yeah, the, the standard's poor. It is poor. He's, you know, it, it, it's true what he's saying. So the reaction behind it, I think, is just because, maybe it's because it's come from a club like Ross County, and you could say, well, actually, they're a huge part of the reason why the standard's so poor. Is because of how sort of defensive they've set up in the past. Yeah, I just don't, I don't see what the the big issue is. To be honest, if Brendan Rodgers came out tomorrow and said the standard of Scottish football is poor, would there be as much media outrage? They would probably be all coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, he's absolutely right. Celtic and Rangers are they should go into the the Super League." So I, I don't know. I, I just it's just a comment that he's made. It doesn't really mean much. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. How um, how do you see the game going at the weekend? You're obviously travelling up. Uh, you'll obviously have, you'll be two or three pies deep come kick-off potentially, maybe a few pints deep as well. Yeah. How do you see how do you see the game going? Do you see us bouncing back? Um, I know our level of performance maybe hasn't quite been there, but we've managed to get out results. What's yeah, it's one of those places as well that I'm never massively confident in going. Going up to the Highlands and it's it's always freezing cold, especially this time of the year. We never play that well in Ross County are always just really difficult to beat. We talk about standard of Scottish football. They're always the team that you go and they set up really defensively. They're really hard to break down. They're usually quite a big team, you know, physical, things like that. So I'm not overly confident, especially after the performance against St. Johnson. 
I, I think it'll probably be at worst a draw, though. I can't see them having threatening us too much. I don't think they've got a whole lot of quality. So I, I would probably say at worst a draw. At best, we, we grind out a, a 1-0 result, a 1-0 win. What's your thoughts on it? What do you think? What do you think? Um, I think it will be very similar to the the performance that we had when we were up there the last time when Elie Yuan got the goal. Uh, but I think you're, you're pretty much spot on how you've described it. I think it will go that way. Um, it's, it is interesting because we have been lacking in, in firepower in going forward a little bit in some of our games. I know we were quite good going forward against Livy a couple of games ago. Um but yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting. I think it will be a tight game. I do think that we will nick it, and I think we'll obviously take that momentum into into the Edinburgh Derby as well. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. But that's us, Mark. That is us. Thanks for joining me on this wonderful evening. I hope it's you enjoy your dinner whenever you get around to having it. Um, I hope everyone else enjoys the episode. We will have a Derby special coming out for you all as well. Uh, a little bit of a different take to our preview slash review and listener questions because we won't be reviewing this Ross County game. However, you certainly do not want to miss out on our Derby special. We've got some good stuff planned for it and we'll be recording it the same night as tonight. So look forward to that. Look forward to listening to this one. I hope you've made it this far. If you have, brilliant. Thanks very much. We love you to bits. Have a good Christmas. Have a good festive period. Take care and stay safe, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Let's get ready to rumble.